I'm Dr. Sarah Hales Britton. I'm Luke Patrick. And I'm Sam Siegel. And welcome to Grease Lightning, a podcast where we always look on the bright side of life. (laughs) (sighs) Yeah, I don't know how well that whistling's going to come through. Yeah. uh, Because halfway through, I realized uh, whistling into a microphone is audio hell. I don't know. We'll find out. I'll yeah. find out in post as uh, well. We'll get yeah. the, we'll get our editor Jerry to fix it. Mm-hmm. So yeah, I'm just glad I don't edit this thing. Yeah, um, <laughs> or anything. Mm-hmm. Uh, so yeah, this week uh, we did watch 1979's Monty Python's The Life of Brian. Sarah, what's your what's your relationship with old Brian? <laughs> Good old Brian. Uh, I. I think I was in college before I saw this movie for the first time, Mm -hmm. but I have been a uh, a Monty Python fan for quite a while. My my best Mm -hmm. friend growing up was very into Monty Python. Her family had like the box set of the TV show, so we had like our favorite sketches that we would watch over and over. Um, Mm -hmm. And uh, yeah, the Holy Grail is uh, Monty Python. The Holy Grails one of my favorite movies um oh it's just a classic it's yeah it's absolutely delightful um so yeah i guess i have um more of an adult relationship with life of brian than i do with some other monty python things Mm -hmm. but um yeah i just love it and and as for like the subject matter (laughs) researching this was really uh interesting for me because when i started graduate school i thought that this stuff basically like Second Temple Judaism and early Christianity was going to mm-hmm. be my dissertation. That that's what I was going to focus oh, on. Okay. Mm. And after about a year and a half, I decided no, <laughs> oh, <okay. laughs> not for me. <laughs> and I mm. switched. To, I switched back over to the pagan side. Um, next next episode, actually, we're going to be talking about stuff that I did in my dissertation. But uh, yeah, yes. researching this was really interesting because I was digging back into stuff that I hadn't even remotely thought about in years. Going, wow, this could have been my life. <laughs> <laughs> and and i i hope when you thought that you said thank god it isn't pretty much yeah okay <laughs> yeah All, always important to get that validation yeah. how about you guys what's your relationship to the to the movie and the and the topic yeah luke um yeah so monty python was big in my house. Uh, I definitely grew up watching Monty Python. We didn't have the box set of the Flying Circus because I guess we couldn't afford it, but we would go to like Blockbuster, the equivalent in our town, and go get like the VHS tapes of that show. Um, so mm-hmm. definitely big fans of Monty Python. I saw this when I was a kid um, or like a teenager, I guess, like an early teenager at some point, and then I watched it again as a late teenager early 20s somewhere in there and i have not seen it since so pretty Mm -hmm. wild ride to see it again uh and see how bits of it have aged a little poorly um Mm -hmm. yeah so that's sort of my relationship to that i would say i know a little bit about this era uh of judaism but not a ton nothing concrete i would say like a flyover knowledge of this sort of era so i am really excited to learn more and obviously like roman life i know nothing about that uh 
Yeah, there's a joke in this movie where the guy is like, um, the Roman centurion is is getting Brian, giving Brian a Latin lesson. That yeah. joke is about the <laughs> mm-hmm. extent I know about uh, Roman life, is that the Latin language is crazy uh, and has lots of declensions and stuff. That's that's all I know. So, yeah, Sam, what about you? Uh, I watched this for the first time when I was a kid because I was not at all sheltered. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> and, yeah, Monty Python was pretty popular. Uh, like, I definitely saw Holy Grail and Meaning of Life um, probably around the same time. I, I've seen bits and pieces of Flying Circus, but definitely not, like, a lot of it. Yeah. Um, and so, so yeah, I saw this pretty young, and then never again. Mm. In, until this morning at 5. Woo! So you, so, so you, so you woke up with John Cleese mm-hmm. in blackface today. I did well. I woke up with my cat screaming for breakfast, <laughs> and then John Cleese in blackface. Oy, oy, oy. Uh, so it was a, I honestly a pretty inadvisable start to a day. <laughs> I, I, I can't recommend anyone do this to start their day because it is I I gotta say blisteringly shitty. Oh, yeah, it's rough. It's real rough. I should have said, yeah, it's been several years since I've seen this, too. I think, mm-hmm. um, you know, it's, it's probably been about a decade. Um, so, yeah, definitely think certain things are less funny than they were before. Yeah, absolutely. I um, think also, and then, I think the first time I watched it, I just, like, wasn't paying attention and didn't realize that it was John Cleese in blackface. Yeah. So yes. even though I had seen this before, I was, like, very taken aback. Mm-hmm. <laughs> when I figured out who that was, yeah. So it took me a minute, probably because it was five in the morning. But I was like, "Is that? Is that? No, surely it's not black. Ah, <laughs> oh, it is. It is blackface. Son of a bitch. Yeah. Okay. Well. Hmm. Hmm. Good job, John Cleese. Yeah. Um. But as far as like the historical time period, I know nothing. I like. I think I can pretty firmly say I know. It literally dick about shit when it comes to to this period. Nice, yeah, okay. very very okay. eloquently put, Sam. Yeah, yeah, well, this is an educational <laughs> podcast, as we all know. Yeah. Um. <laughs> sorry, yeah. let me correct it. I know fafall. Mm, yeah, there we go. It. Is that oh, better? Very yes. nice. Very nice. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. I well, I am wearing my old like, uh, old academic man. Uh, cardigan, so I, I should act how I'm dressed. Yep. Dress for the part you want. Uh, <laughs> tenured professor, I guess, for you today. Mm-hmm. Amazing. Well, um, I feel like I should offer a disclaimer on this because I know I said that I, like, I went into school thinking that I wanted to focus on this stuff, um, mm-hmm. but uh, I basically had to reteach myself a lot of this information. Um, usually when I sit down to like write up my notes and do whatever research I need to do for this podcast, I can I can write up about a page of what I need to talk about and then go, you know, look things up and, and fill in the gaps. Um, I had a really hard time 
<laughs> this one coming up with things that I already knew, uh, partly mm-hmm. just because it's been so long. So um, this is a disclaimer for this episode. And it's also a disclaimer just like for this podcast in general. Um, it is true that I have a PhD in classics and I worked very hard for that degree. Um, and I do my best to cover my bases in research and like bring accurate information to our conversations. However, uh, being a classicist is no longer my full-time job. Um, and classics is an enormous field that mm. encompasses like a two, like 1500 year period of history, wide geographical swath of the world. Um, there's just a whole lot of shit in the umbrella that is classics. And there's no mm. way for anybody to keep it all in their heads. Um, and like, I'm, I'm human. So I'm definitely going to like leave out some key information or like get some stuff wrong, uh, especially today mm-hmm. <laughs> when this is, this is going to be like the definition of a thumbnail sketch mm. <laughs> because there's just so much here. Um, so, you know, if I fuck up and you know better, like you have our email address, you can email us and correct me. Um, but mm-hmm. you should just know that the number of fucks I give about being corrected will depend on how many difficult clients I dealt with at work that day. Um, <laughs> okay. So just, you know, just be prepared. Uh, <laughs> and, uh, and with that, uh, I would like to give you guys a thumbnail sketch of Roman occupation of Judea. Nice. Okay. Um, Let's do it. This is, yeah. So we are actually going all the way back to the beginning of what's called the Hellenistic period. So this is right after Alexander the Great died in the 300s gotcha. BC. Um, when, when Alex G died, his top three generals divvied up the new conquests into mm-hmm. three separate empires. So it sort of broke down into like there was the Macedonian Empire that was it that was basically just Macedonia and Greece, uh, the Ptolemies in Egypt. And then the Seleucid Empire is like Western Asia, right? Turkey and, and things beyond that. Um, gotcha. And so Judea was a part of this section called the Seleucid Empire. Um, in the second century BCE, from about 140 BCE onwards, the Hasmonean dynasty ruled Judea sort of semi-autonomously within the Seleucid Empire. Um, mm-hmm. The Hasmoneans, by the way, are the Maccabees. Uh, I think Maccabee is the nickname, um, and they're actually oh, okay. Hasmonean. Um, it means like hammer or is it some sort of like badass nickname? I think Maccabee means like the hammer. Um, mm-hmm. So so this is the family that led the Maccabean revolt against the Seleucid Empire in the 160s, um, which is where we get the uh, story of the oil that lasted for eight days. This is the story of Hanukkah. Mm-hmm. Uh, fittingly, we are recording this somewhere around ha- near Hanukkah. We're just a couple weeks away. So um, yeah. happy early Hanukkah to you guys. Happy very late Hanukkah to our listeners. Uh, (laughs) um so so yeah um so we've got the the hasmoneans ruling sort of within this broader hellenistic empire for various reasons the jewish diaspora was already sort of happening at this point um jews were no longer concentrated in palestine Uh, i mean most of them were but but jews were spread across western asia slash turkey there were jews in rome there were jews in alexandria a big community in alexandria so the Romans knew about Jews and Judaism and they thought it was super weird because Judaism mm-hmm. was the only monotheistic religion they'd ever encountered. 
um, monotheism in the ancient world is very unusual. Mm. Um, so this is why, you know, for us today, you know, most of the religions that Westerners are familiar with are monotheistic. So for us, the whole thou shalt have no other gods before me thing isn't really a big deal. Um, mm -hmm. Or if you grow up in like a Christian tradition, it sort of gets like turned into some sort of weird moralizing allegory with like, don't make money, you're God, or don't make faint, you know, sex or fame or whatever. Um, mm -hmm. No, it, it means like literally the God of Israel wants to be the only God that you worship. Um, mm, and this is a huge right. deal because you're the only people in the world who are doing this sort of one God thing. Mm -hmm. So, so it's, it's a big deal. Um, and it, it causes some friction between pagan Romans and Jews, um, over this confusion about why they would choose to only worship one God. Um, gotcha. so, so yeah, so that's the situation. The Hasmonean dynasty are, they're technically still in power all the way down from the 160s, 140s, all the way down to the year 63 BCE. They're technically still in power when Pompey the Great invades and sacks Jerusalem. Um, I say technically because they're in a state of civil war. Um, there was a queen regnant named Salome and her two sons are duking it out for power. And this sort of leaves Judea vulnerable Though to be fair, everyone is vulnerable to Pompey. Uh, there is a reason he gets called Pompey the Great. Mm -hmm. <laughs> uh, so poor Pompey. We gotta we gotta talk about Pompey just a just a little bit. And again, this is thumbnail sketch because this is an extremely complicated political period in Roman history as well. So in the first century BCE, <coughs> Rome is transitioning from a republic to an empire, okay. and Pompey is part of that and he's sort of caught up in, in the midst of it. Um, up to this point in history, Pompey is one of the greatest Roman general, greatest generals Rome has ever seen. Um, he's out there conquering far-flung peoples, smashing shit, gaining wealth for Rome and for himself. He's in an alliance with Julius Caesar and this guy named Crassus, who nobody cares about because Pompey, and there's, you know, he's the third wheel <laughs> in the triumvirate. Um, <laughs> I, I do feel bad for Crassus sometimes, but not enough to actually like learn about or like remember. I had to look up his name. I couldn't remember his name even. <laughs> uh, so, <laughs> but Pompey and Julius Caesar are the main actors in this in this little triad. Uh, Pompey mm -hmm. marries Caesar's daughter Julia to sort of cement the alliance, but then Julia dies, and then Crassus dies. So it's just J.C. and Pompey duking it out for control of the Senate. Things degenerate. You have Julius Caesar crossing the Rubicon, right? There's civil war. Um, it's not the first civil war in Rome in this century, mm -hmm. and it won't be the last. Um, but there's a civil war be that's mostly between Pompey and Julius Caesar. Pompey is defeated in battle in 48. He flees to Egypt, takes refuge um, with the Ptolemies, who are still in power there for just a little bit mm -hmm. longer. Um, but he's assassinated. In Egypt. Mm. Um, gotcha. So, so that's who Pompey is. He's very important, um, in, you know, in military history and in political history, um, and he sort of is one of the many <laughs> sacrificed at the altar of Julius Caesar <laughs> gotcha. uh, in this century. But before that, we're you know, almost twenty years before that, he he conquers Syria and Judea on his way back to Rome. 
Um, mm-hmm. And he sets up a guy named Herod the Great as client king in Judea. So Herod the Great is a Roman loyalist. Um, and he uh, he enacts a lot of like building, major building projects, infrastructure. There's a lot going on in Jerusalem under Herod the Great. Um, but he's he's a client king. So he like has to pay taxes to Rome, but he's not... Mm-hmm it's not like a Roman province officially yet. Um, that actually comes, um, Judea is officially annexed as a province when basically when Jesus is a toddler, like in the year six CE. Mm, Um, so, so yeah, that's where we are. Um, also I just, there are so many Herods. Um, so like this, you don't really need to know this, but, um, Herod the great is not the King Herod of the new Testament. Um, that's one of his sons. All of his sons are also named Herod, which fucking nice. sucks. Um, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. There's like, there's Herod Philip. There's Herod Antipas is the New Testament Herod. And there's another one. There's a third Herod. Uh, That's and then George after Foreman that. And shit. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> do, do you think it was for the same reason so that when Herod was mad, he could just call one name? <laughs> and have just sort of a like he didn't have to worry about remembering which kid he's pissed at. I think it's just because ancient naming conventions were absolute bullshit. Mm. Like, okay. The I mean, so you know how Roman women were named, daughters were named. They were literally mm-hmm. numbered off with the family name. So if your dad is Claudius, you are Claudia. And if you have, if then there are more daughters, you become Claudia Prima, Claudia the first. Next daughter becomes mm-hmm. Claudia Secunda. If there's a third, she's Claudia Tertia. It just, they literally number the girls. That and, blows. Yeah. And there's a grand total of like 20 first names for dudes. So. God, Jesus. That's. So that's, that blows. that's <laughs> challenging. It does suck. But can you imagine if the Duggars had followed this rule for all of their kids? It's pretty good. where's 17? Where's 17? Where's Jim Bob 17? Where's Jim 7? Come on, man. <laughs> Jim 7? I heard you've been talking with Jim 9 about something you ain't been supposed to. Mm-hmm. Jim 8 done told us. <laughs> How do you handle twins in a situation like that? Oh, yeah, good question. Honestly, I'm not sure. I really don't know. Um, twins? Um, people had, like, spooky opinions about twins in antiquity, mm. too. Ooh, they, were okay. either, they were either, like, really good luck or really bad luck. <laughs> Mm. depending on the time period and where you are. Um, Just like in real life. It's true. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, man. Yeah, I don't know how you handle twins in that situation. Yeah. Um, But yeah, all of this to say, there's too many Herods. So um, just know that, like, every time Herod comes up, like, it's not the Herod you're thinking of. Mm. It's always a different one. Um, There's also a Herod Agrippa later on, like, like 10 years after Jesus dies. Um, Herod gotcha. Agrippa revolts against Rome. Um, so, yeah. Anyways, it's just crazy. Um, but, uh, yeah. So, so in this, like, end of the first century BCE, Judea is technically conquered, but not a province. 
but they're under a, a Jewish king who is nevertheless very much a Roman loyalist. So there's right. a lot of complicated feelings here. Um, and remember how the Romans think Jewish religion is weird. Mm -hmm. um, they are frequently assholes about it. However, mm. the Rome, one thing you can say for the Romans is they are religiously very scrupulous themselves. And so, gen and generally speaking, they, they can respect, and they do respect, most gods and beliefs. And they okay. even, like, adopt, when they conquer a foreign nation, they adopt whatever local god they have as part of the Roman pantheon. And they start worshipping that god, too. They're sort of a more the merrier um, people when it comes to religion. So they're totally willing to... They, they think it's weird, and I think they are a little uncomfortable that um, then, like, you know, we're okay with your gods, so like, why won't you then take on some of our gods, Jews? Right? They don't. Uh, they don't get yeah. that part. Um, they they mm -hmm. they don't get that. But for the most part, they're willing to respect monotheism as long as the Jews pay their taxes. Right? They're fine with it. Right. Like, yeah. That's really when it comes down to it. <laughs> Rome will tolerate a lot as long as you'll pay your taxes. Um, yeah. And in a very. Uh, <laughs> unusual turn in history um they actually do get a special like privilege um jews are exempted from roman military service hmm, um okay but uh, of course not all roman jewish interactions are positive like i said there's a lot of hostility as there are as there is between rome and most of their subjugated peoples um but it is like in in many ways when there are conflicts between the romans and the jews it's worse because of the monotheism, polytheism thing. Um, gotcha. Sort of like adding to the friction there and the, mm, and the okay. like lack of understanding of each other. Um, so, so yeah, so um, that's sort of what's going on in the period. And there's a lot of sort of, um, there's a lot of hostility towards Rome uh, that's sort of festering through all of this period. Um, and this all sort of this has been coming to a head at the time of Jesus's execution in the 30s um, CE, um, somewhere around somewhere around the year 30. So traditionally, Jesus is supposed to have started his ministry when he was 30 and be executed mm -hmm. when he was 33. Um, he wasn't actually born in the year like 1 AD or 1 CE. He was probably mm -hmm. born a couple years before, either a couple years before or a couple years after. So, gotcha. um, you know, this, <laughs> never mind that our whole year, year naming, year numbering convention is out of date or like off. Um, <laughs> but, uh, his execution in the thirties CE is very much political, um, because Jesus is preaching a message that, uh, sort of goes again, it, it threatens Rome's control basically. Um, threatens okay. the control of, you know, all sort of earthly powers, which is why the Pharisees don't like him either. Um, so he's, it's, it's a very political choice. It's a sign of just how nervous the Roman provincial rulers are about potential rebellion, that they would take this like backwoods preacher and mm -hmm. publicly execute him. Um, this, I mean, Roman rule in Judea could be quite harsh. Um, and this is part of what, this is a, this is a sign of the times. It's also sort of, um, then a catalyst for, for other, um, hostility and unrest. The people are very restless. They're openly unhappy. 
with the way Rome is ruling in Judea. Um, To sort of skip ahead a little bit, um, about 30 years after Jesus's execution, um, we have the first of what is uh, called the Jewish Wars. It's a series of rebellions that happen over a period of about 60 or 70 years. So the first one, it just gets called the Jewish Revolt. Um, And that, it lasts four years from 66 to 70 CE. Jerusalem is under siege for a little while. It ends with the temple being burned to the ground and the future emperor Titus taking back, he sat, he like raids the temple, takes back trophies. Um, I just sent you guys a picture. Um, This is still sending, uh, but this is a photo of the arch of Titus in Rome. So this is a triumphal arch celebrating Mm -hmm. like Titus's military, whatever. Um, And you can very clearly see there there's guys carrying a giant menorah um, Mm -hmm. among other things. Um, So they have taken um, spoils of war from the temple, which like usually this is a big no, no, even Mm -hmm. for Romans who are like conquering people like they, they're usually pretty nice about religious stuff. They just don't give a shit this time. Mm, um, and so gotcha. they're taking back trophies from, from the Jewish war back to Rome. Um, so this is, like I said, this is the first in a series of, of rebellions um, and revolts against Jewish war. Um, sorry, revolts against Jewish rule. Revolts against Roman rule. <laughs> <laughs> um, so the second one is about 50 years later in 115. The last one, the big one, is the Bar Kokhba revolt in 132. Um, Bar Kokhba is another guy who gets called the Messiah. There's a rabbi who has like identified him as the Messiah who's going to come and conquer Rome. So mm-hmm. Simon Bar Kokhba goes for it. <laughs> um, <laughs> okay. He dies. Um, this this revolt lasts several years. It ends with Jerusalem raised to the ground. Most of the Jewish population in the area is either killed or enslaved or flees into diaspora. So this is like the true, they're like, you know, I, I said before, diaspora was already happening. This mm-hmm. is really like, we are firmly in it now. Um, gotcha. Because the Roman emperor Hadrian is so mad about all these revolts that he changes Jerusalem's name to Elia Capitolina with the exception of a couple days a year, Jews are banned from Jerusalem. He's just all done. Oh, okay. So this is sort of, yeah. God. It's pretty shitty. Um, so, so yeah, uh, it's not a happy history. Um, it's, mm-hmm. I mean, it's just sort of, it's sort of all bad, <laughs> you know, yeah. uh, Pompey comes in um, for no, Pompey is literally just like high, high on life, high on conquering and decides like, oh, might as well stop in Syria and Judea also, cause they both have civil wars going on. I'll just snag these two. And like, then we get 200 years of shit. Yeah, um, piling up after that. Yeah, I mean, Sarah, having done Jewish Sunday school, um, all of Jewish history is a bit of a bummer. Yeah, um, yeah. <laughs> we don't have a lot of like good times. It's true. Even Hanukkah is like it's a war. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah, and uh, that's one of our happier ones. Yeah. Uh, one of my favorite yeah. things in, in like celebrating Jewish holidays is the big spreadsheet that everybody passes around of like they tried to kill us and then there's like a yes or no and most of the time there's a yes and then there's the other column did they succeed 
yes or no, and then let's eat, yes or no. Oh, and, God. Uh, <laughs> the most common, you know, combination here is did they try to kill us? Yes. <laughs> did they succeed? Yes. Let's eat. Yes. Um, oh, yeah. That I mean, oh, man. like, I think even in Sunday school, whenever we would, like, you know, we'd have, like, an actual prayer, uh, and then we'd, you know like do kind of a second sort of prayer right before we ate and it was always they tried to kill us we won let's eat yeah um oh my god and uh, you know it works yeah we're we're funny though <laughs> oh yeah so <laughs> it, it panned out i guess uh, oh um, god yeah but yeah. yeah it is it is kind of kind of wild that the game that you play at hanukkah is based on secretly teaching Hebrew to people because there's a war on. Mm-hmm. Uh, <laughs> it's just like, you know, it's yeah. it's one of those stories where, like, on the face of it, it's like, oh, that's that's fun, and then you pick at it for two seconds and you go, this is dark. This is dark <laughs> as hell, man. Yep. <laughs> Sarah, oh. I, I have a catastrophically stupid question. Ask away. Okay. So you have one BCE. Mm-hmm. The next year, so it is it is December thirty first, uh, one BCE. Th- January first, the next day. Is that one CE? It is one. Yes. Okay. Not a stupid question at all. Okay. Um, because it's a ridiculous way to count years. It's just, it this is, is a why we shouldn't wild. let the popes make calendars, really. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> it's just ridiculous. Yeah, they, they seem like maybe not the best people to do that. Yeah. Or so not the best. I have, I have an yeah. equally catastrophically stupid question uh, that's in the same ballpark, which is... Because I feel like when we were kids, uh, there was like B.C. and A.D., and then slowly over time it became B.C.E. and C.E., like pretty quickly... Yeah. I think um, during that time frame, when we made the swap to sort of move away from Anno Domini and etc., why why did we keep this kind of insane like Christian timeline, or is it just because it was just easier to just rename things and keep tracking? I think because it's just, I mean, there's there's so many like historical events that are. <laughs> counted by certain years um, or, you know, known to have happened in a certain year. And I think the prospect of renumbering all of human history Mm. was too daunting. So they just changed it to before common era and common era. Um, So you get rid of, you get rid of most of the Jesus association. Sure. Um, Mm -hmm. There is still the whole thing of like, if you think about it for too long, you realize that we only have one CE because of Jesus and it's not even the right year that he was born. Mm -hmm. Um, But uh, (laughs) yeah, I think it's because like, because we have like, we have, especially with ancient history, like folks have like worked hard to pinpoint years for certain events. And I think the idea of then having to go and re-pinpoint those numbers was just like, Sure. They were like, this will never... It's like trying to convert the U.S. to the metric system, you know? It's just mm-hmm. like, it's too big. <laughs> yeah. So we'll just add a line on the label and we'll call that good. Like, all I can think is how much we all freaked out about Y2K. And it's like, okay, but what if we just had to change the year? Full stop. It mm-hmm. just totally changed it. Like, 
Uh, yeah. Monday was, you know, 1997. And then uh, Tuesday was 5761. And it's mm-hmm. like, uh, shit, <laughs> shit. Nope. <laughs> our, our computers can't do that. Yeah, yeah. that's completely uh, unfair. Yeah. Okay, cool. Yeah, I was just curious. Because yeah. like you said, it's it's kind of weird to like have this change. But then at the same time, there's still this weird like focal point that we're just going to kind of not talk about. But that makes sense that yeah. we would. Yeah, that all makes sense. I Yeah, I think it's one of those like you got it. Your number one has to go somewhere. So we might as mm-hmm. well leave it where it is. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. makes sense. Yeah. It's also buck wild to call that the common era with now. Mm-hmm. There ain't nothing common. Mm-hmm. There's nothing in common. We're, we're, look, if you plopped an iPhone in one CE, those people would lose their fucking minds. Yeah. Oh my god. <laughs> that or that Sam. would be amazing. Or they wouldn't or? care because it would be so foreign. And you wouldn't have cell reception, mm. so there's that. So you couldn't even like make a call. But it would just be so weird that maybe they just like put it in a drawer somewhere and be like, I don't know. I guess it does glow. It would it's be, got a glowy screen it would, thing. <laughs> it would be like an entry in one of those. There were encyclopedias um, mm-hmm. in antiquity. Um, and it mm-hmm. would be like a three-line entry in an encyclopedia. In such and such town, a box was discovered. Yeah. <laughs> made of a strange, smooth material with a glowing screen. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> can you can you imagine showing them VR? Mm, no, that would get a response. Yeah. That would get a response. It's like, yeah. put this on. Also, you can control a gun. Let me explain guns real quick. <laughs> <laughs> I think they would just shit themselves. Yeah. <laughs> More than they already did, I assume. <laughs> oh, God. Yeah, sanitation isn't what it... Wasn't what it is now. Uh, See? Another <laughs> thing. You plop a toilet in there, and they're just mm. going, what is this alien shit? Yeah. Like, we got a hole in the ground. We got a communal sponge for, for wiping. What's wrong with that? Um, what? Yeah. Hey, pump the fucking brakes. <laughs> <laughs> hey, what? Yeah, so Roman latrines. Um, mm-hmm. It was the you dig a deep trench, mm-hmm. um, and in in the more quote unquote civilized places um, with more like infrastructure, you put like a like a wooden bench basically over this mm-hmm. latrine with holes. Sure. Yeah. And that's classy. And okay, so then there's just like a sponge on a stick. In no. the latrine, and that's what you use to clean yourself out. That's Sarah. I know. Sarah. I know. <laughs> no. Sarah, I These won't people use didn't a know what germs were. I just like I won't use a sponge to clean my sink. Yeah. I like that's of course they were sick all the time. Mm-hmm. Yep. Yep. God and like almighty. you better hope you don't go to take a shit in the wrong part of town and get an S T D. Like there's like yeah. quite literally a big concern. Um, yeah, they didn't know what germs were. Um, I mean, I was, get that. It was a it, whole other like a whole other but, way of looking at the world. <laughs> see, what I'm stuck on is how they did were not presented with the, I assume, 
unholy stench coming off of that sponge after one week. Yeah. And said, there's another way. There has to be another way because this ain't it. I think yeah. what you what you are forgetting here is that like everything stank in antiquity. Um, sure, like the, between the, the no refrigeration is... and the no plumbing for your waste. Mm-hmm. I mean, water plumbing. Sure, they piped water in to cities. Um, the Romans right. were very good at that. Um, but piping out plumbing is not something they were very good at. Um, mm. They tried, but they mostly failed. And so, just like the stench of ancient cities was so overpowering, like you basically burn out all your um, olfactory senses within a few weeks of being in a place like that. And at that point, the sponge stench doesn't even get to you. <sighs> yeah, that's brutal. I just, I, yeah. It's horrifying. Yeah. It is yeah. <laughs> genuinely terrifying to, to comprehend. I'm just very stuck on how crusty and smelly this communal sponge is going to get. <laughs> yeah, unless... Like, even relative to the other stinks unless luke unless i'm in my head it's like one of those windshield wipers at the gas station like they've just got a bucket with some like pretty gross material in there (laughs) you finish what you're doing you just Um, shove it in give it a swirl and leave it for the next person luke you're not wrong (laughs) oh no So you're telling me, Sarah, that they kept their communal ass sponge in a slop bucket? I think in some places they did, yeah. Nice. Oh, no. I mean, the alternative is, a, is as you've pointed out, Sam, a dry sponge. Which... Yeah, just a real crusty <laughs> sponge. No good. Yeah. Uh... I... I'm starting to think um, of of a new sort of year numbering system, and there's there's the swamp ass era, <laughs> and the let's be honest, less swamp ass era, because <laughs> we know it's not perfect now. Yeah. Oh my but god. Yeah. It's better. It's significantly better. <laughs> Oh, yeah. Love it. <laughs> so of course you know Peter the Great. He was born in uh, eleven of the Swamp Ass era, and uh, I don't know. I, I feel like there's something we could do with that. Yeah. Yeah. Also, I mean, especially I've... if you just abbreviate it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Put it in S-A-E. Latin. Put it in Latin. Nobody has to know. <laughs> Perfect. Yeah, I feel like we set the bar way too high by talking about bringing an iPhone back to one CE. We could have just brought them like a Portageon, like a butt hut, oh my. and that would have blown mm-hmm. their minds. Yep. Yep. Or just like a like a twenty four pack of toilet paper. <laughs> yeah. They would have been like, "How wealthy are you that you can afford paper for wiping your ass?" Mm-hmm. You know what? Not. <laughs> not that wealthy that's the crazy thing about the future y'all <laughs> nobody yeah. yeah if you're really wealthy you blast your butt with water yeah <laughs> oh can I just tell you guys this is a little embarrassing first time I went to Europe I I, I am 
quite literally seriously thought that a bidet was like a foot washer. Oh. And I don't mean the euphemism of the... Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And I used it as such. Oh, <laughs> oh no. 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 <laughs> My feet got really dirty one day, so I washed no. them in the day. And then... <laughs> I like that this was a private shame that you've now made very public. <laughs> yes, Sarah, this is recorded. Excellent. Truly excellent stuff. I feel like we got to put the PhD in perspective, you know? <laughs> <laughs> Wrote a book, doesn't know what a bidet is. <laughs> I, you know, what, what I will give you is I have heard of people washing their hands in a bidet. Oh, so, God. <laughs> so well, I at least knew it wasn't for that. <laughs> yeah, so feet is an improvement. Yeah. <laughs> but still, you gotta... Uh, you gotta soak those things in bleach just to sort of get them clean again. Mm-hmm. I was pretty grossed out when I finally learned what it was actually for. <laughs> uh, man, I won't lie. If I could travel through time, I might actually just travel back to the moment that someone's like, no, that's for your post-poop butt. Um, just to see <laughs> the sort of wave of emotions mm-hmm. as they pass through your face. Because yeah. I'm sure that if you could bottle that stuff, oh, <laughs> you could buy Twitter and ruin your life. It's so true. <laughs> oh, man. <laughs> Well, um, we've gotten pretty far afield. Yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah. So I just have like a couple of more things that I want to talk okay. about. Sure. Um, yeah. One, one is a source material. I realize I normally talk about our source material for this stuff. Um, so you mm-hmm. talk about that. And then I want to talk about the development of Christianity out of Judaism in this time period. Gotcha. So, okay. Source material, material first. Um, our main non-Bible source for this time period is a guy named Josephus, who was born in Jerusalem right around or just after Jesus's execution in the 30s. Um, And he he died in 100 CE. Hmm. Um, He is of priestly descent. Um, He's a commander in the Jewish armies in the first revolt in 66. Um, So he's fighting in Galilee his um, troops are under siege for a little while, and he and then he finally surrenders to the Roman general Vespasian, who is also a future emperor of Rome. Mm. And this is important because uh, they've just been they've just surrendered to Vespasian. This is not a good position to be in. Um, mm-hmm. Josephus proceeds to save his own skin by claiming that the Jewish messianic prophecies actually refer to Vespasian and basically says like I'm so happy to have lost to you Messiah of the Jewish people Vespasian Hmm. Uh, (laughs) gross but Vespasian is like well okay I guess I won't kill you you can come back to Rome and be my slave a couple years later Nero dies and we have what's called the year of the four emperors as everybody you know jostles for power Vespasian Mm -hmm. is the one who comes out on top at the end of this as emperor um, who, you know, lasts for more than three months. Um, mm-hmm. So at this point, when he becomes emperor in 69, Josephus gets his freedom back. He 
fully defects to the Roman side of life at this point. Um, he gains okay. Roman citizenship. He is an advisor to Vespasian. Um, the Jews don't really like him anymore mm-hmm, because sure. they see him as a traitor, which makes total right. sense because he kind mm-hmm. of is. Um, but he's also like, you know, he's a Roman citizen and he's got this very prestigious uh, position in Rome. But it's one of those things like you you can do everything right and the quote unquote native Romans still aren't going to see you as one of their own. Right. Sure. They're always mm-hmm. going to see him as the Jewish guy. Um, so, you know, he's a little, he's, we roll our eyes at Josephus a lot, but you know, he had kind of a tough life. Um, he, he wrote a couple of very important works. One is he, he wrote this book called the Jewish war in the seventies, which is about the revolt that he was part of in the sixties. Um, uh, he, he sort of does some apologetic work on his own behalf here. Cause like he was, a, he was a Jewish general in this war who who has now gone completely over to the roman side and he is very much at the mercy of the roman emperor (laughs) Mm -hmm. in this in this new life that he has so he makes himself look very important and sort of like does a lot of justification of his own switching of sides um Mm -hmm. but really i mean he's our main source for what actually happened in this war so we can we just have to take when he talks about himself we have to take it with a grain of salt and otherwise, we kind of have to trust a lot of what he says about what okay. happened. And then he also wrote this work um, closer to the end of his life called, and usually the title gets translated as Antiquities of the Jews, which is basically all about Judaism aimed at a, at a pagan Roman audience mm. and framed okay. in a way to try to help them understand and make them respect Judaism more. So he makes a lot oh. of comparisons with like Greek philosophers and like major important figures in Jewish history um, and uh, claims that like certain certain domains of science were invented by the Jews and things like that um, to sort of like try to um, it's it's basically it's it's an educational text it's also again sort of an apologetic text of like please respect us <laughs> more than you currently do um, mm-hmm. so so those two works are really important um, and like I said outside of the New Testament, our main source of Palestinian history of this time period is Josephus. Um, gotcha. Now, which is tough, right? Because both the New Testament and Josephus have one heck of an agenda. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so uh, it's a little tough. But Josephus does provide, he's like the only extra biblical account of people like Pontius Pilate, the many and various Herods. Um, mm-hmm. there's also a significant amount of controversy over whether a certain passage in Josephus refers to Jesus. Um, mm. if it does, it's basically our only historical record of Jesus. Mm. Um, oh. but it's equally likely that it doesn't refer to him. So <laughs> some other oh, guy. Okay. So, uh, yeah, there's, uh, problems with the text and then problems of interpretation make that hard to determine. But Josephus is important for a lot of the information that we have about Judea in this time period. Um, So that's him. And then early Christian origins. Um, Early Christianity is uh, basically a mystery cult. Um, Mystery cults are big in the Greek world. Um, This idea that like, there is a, a sacred mystery that is basically the key to understanding the universe. 
And occasionally also, not always, but occasionally the secret also to like some sort of eternal bliss. Um, Mm -hmm. And if you are initiated into this mystery, like through some sort of rite, then you are like part of this special group that performs these rites together. And then you get whatever the reward is. Um, So early Christianity is very similar and follows the sort of pattern of, of mystery cults across the ancient world. Um, and it starts out as a splinter group within Judaism. Um, so Jesus and his followers, right, present Jesus as the fulfillment of the messianic prophecies of Judaism. So he's supposed to be the um, anointed savior of the Jewish people. And a lot of folks interpreted that as you're going to save us, the, me- the Messiah is going to save us from Roman rule or like liberate us from Roman rule. That is definitely not the tack Jesus takes, <laughs> but uh, that, that's sort of part of what gets him in trouble with Rome is because this is a common interpretation of what the Messiah is supposed to do, right? Um, so it might have remained just a little like offshoot splinter group within Judaism if it weren't for uh, the apostle Paul of Tarsus who converts and then travels all over the Greek world um, talking about Jesus. And then also the um, the aftermath of the revolt in 66 and the Jewish wars. Um, the temple is destroyed. The Jews are in diaspora for like for good this time. Um, so more than ever before, Judaism has to reinvent itself um, and figure out how they're going to carry on these religious practices with no temple as the center of worship um, and mm-hmm. you know communities that have been completely fractured. Um, And this opens the door for the acceleration of Christianity sort of distancing itself from the rest of Judaism. Everybody's fragmented now, right? Um, So Christianity has a little more of a chance to grow out of Judaism at this point. Um, And the the message of Christians um, appealed quite a bit to the lower socioeconomic classes of the ancient world Mm -hmm. by promising equality for People, you know, including women and enslaved people promising um, equal treatment. And for the most part, within their little groups, they did deliver on that, um, that this was one place where you could come and be treated as an equal, um, no matter what your position was out in the rest of the world. Um, This early Christianity is also um, an apocalyptic religion, and technically it still is. So the apocalypse is supposed to be, right, the revelation of God's plan against evil and the Messiah Mm -hmm. coming to enact that plan and sort of end the world as we know it and usher in this new and better one. Um, Apocalypticism becomes very popular among Jews in the last two centuries BCE, which it makes sense that the idea that, like, um, the oppressors are going to get what they deserve is very comforting mm-hmm. for an occupied people, right? Um, right this is yeah. a way to this is a way to maintain hope, uh, and so this is um, some old prophecies sort of get reinterpreted in light of the political situation that they're living in, um, mm-hmm. and this becomes a very um, a very popular thing um, in Judaism in the period. So the people who believe in Jesus as the Messiah in the aftermath of his death, they think he's coming back during their lifetimes. To overthrow oh. Roman rule in Judea and establish the kingdom that he that he promised. Um, obviously, that doesn't happen. 
sure. Yeah, those, those people died disappointed. <laughs> they died very disappointed, yeah. Um, we'll talk about that in a second. But um, so Jesus himself, at least we have, like I said, we have like no record of a historical Jesus. The, the New Testament's really all we got. And the gospels that tell the story of Jesus's life and ministry were written well after his death. Uh, so we also don't really have any contemporary writings about him. We just have what people are remembering 40, 50 years later. Um, so this complicates things. If you want to try to pinpoint, you know, what this historical person might've actually been like. Um, but he's sort of, he's like Socrates in that, uh, he didn't write anything down himself. Other people Mm -hmm. wrote down what he said. Um, he challenged authoritative people and ideas both within his own religion right the pharisees hate him and the sort of roman overlords um he challenges these people sort of by indirect means he pisses off basically everyone uh which socrates also does um Mm -hmm. so the the local roman governors in the area were convinced that jesus must have actually been after political power Um, and this, and you know, he's, he's against Roman rule in Judea. And so he needs to go. Um, Jesus is crucified. Crucifixion is standard Roman punishment for threatening the peace in the provinces. It's also Mm -hmm. an incredibly cruel way to die. Um, the lowest criminals were executed by crucifixion. If Mm. you really hated somebody, you crucify them. It takes hours to die and you basically slowly suffocate when you can't hold yourself up any longer and your lungs collapse. Um, so Ooh. it's, it's really fucking brutal. Um, so this is what happens to Jesus. He's executed as a, as like a, among the lowest of the low, um, with a very painful manner of death. Um, so remember how I said the Romans are mostly respectful of other religions? Mm-hmm. Uh, not if they're new mm. they they're cool with it if it's like your people's traditional faith or like you can point to some sort of like ancient origin right new faiths highly suspicious and christianity is a new faith so they're like mm, sounds fake um also this guy was a criminal like we have it in our book that we executed him as a criminal so mm-hmm. um it really doesn't help the christians reputations that the person that they've chosen to worship is someone who was executed as a criminal by rome mm-hmm. um but the the real problem that uh, a lot of roman had romans had with christians was the fear that their faith or fear of romans tolerating their faith would anger the traditional gods hmm. um because oh. they would be too ignored right you've got this whole mm-hmm. if you've got this whole swath of the roman population that's ignoring the old gods Um, so anytime something bad happened, Christians were the convenient group to blame because they were Mm -hmm. the new faith on the block. And even worse, uh, when we get into later periods and the, um, the dead emperors sort of are deified and then they are worshiped and sacrificed to as, as new gods, um, Mm -hmm. Christians refuse to sacrifice to the imperial cult, which for most Romans, that is like a threat to the stability of the state. Um, oh, okay. So they're an easy mark. This is why we have early Christian persecution and martyrdom 
it's because they um, Romans were afraid that this new faith was threatening to the stability of the state. Um, and so it is true that a lot of early Christians were killed for their faith, um, but it usually wasn't systematic. Usually this this happened when there was some sort of crisis uh, mm-hmm. or when Christians themselves pressed the issue and sort of made themselves into a problem uh, because they were like so enthusiastic about dying for their faith. They would basically mm, okay. like harass officials until they were like, you know what? Fine, I'll execute you. Are you happy now? And they'd be like, yes, actually, thank you. Um, <laughs> so <laughs> it's, it's sort of a mess. The first like truly systematic persecution of Christians wasn't until the 200s CE, 249 to 251 fully 200 years after Jesus died. Um, So, and that's in a century of like complete disaster and instability in the Roman empire is an absolute shit show in that whole century. Mm. Um, And so this like Christian persecution is just like one little tiny nugget of that. Um, So, so yeah, the emperor Decius required all Roman citizens to participate in a sacrifice to the gods to prove their loyalty to the state. So, and those who refused were executed. So lots of Christians executed in that time period. Um, Yeah, but uh, also by that point, um, it had become very clear that Jesus was not coming back anytime soon. (laughs) So the the whole apocalyptic thing has kind of lost its luster by this point, Um, Mm -hmm. lost its momentum. So now Christians, have to settle in for the long haul. Um, and so this like second and third century is where the church as an institution is sort of established. Mm. Um, oh, okay. but, but early on, it's very much just like sort of fringe elements excited about the end of the world um, together. Interesting. And, and sort of being weird. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, that's wild. Yeah. Um, I have a I have a question, uh, and it's definitely not for me. It's for our listeners. Uh, just to be cool. totally clear, I obviously know this. Who are the Pharisees? The Pharisees are um, like a priestly group. Um, there's like Pharisees and Sadducees, and I think there's one other. Um, this this is like a, a sect sort of uh, sect mm-hmm. is maybe a strong word, but they're basically a sect. Um, okay. it's, it's like certain, certain ways of interpreting, um, the Torah and Talmud and then certain then ways, I think also of like what you have to do in order to become a, a rabbi. Um, they're, they're broken off into these groups. Um, but Pharisees are like traditionally very into the law. Um, mm-hmm. and like, if you're not following the law, God hates you sort of thing. So when Jesus breaks certain Jewish laws in order to make a point or because he's trying to establish some new practice. Uh, this is like super offensive to the Pharisees. Um, gotcha. So, yeah. Yeah. I, I think that's probably how I would have put it. Yeah. Um, definitely. Uh, cause I, I, again, I knew all of that. Yeah. Um, well, uh, well, hot damn. You covered yeah. a lot. Mm-hmm. We did. Um, and I'm, I'm really sorry it took so long. Um, hey, it's but worth it. There's just like, what, like there's so much here, this, mm-hmm. and this is like, like literally this is scraping the surface. 
It's uh, like 300 years of history where yeah. it sounds like a lot's yeah. happening. Oh my so, God. This is such a chaotic period of history. So yeah, yeah, it's nutty, but so, that's like, I mean, I feel like that's everything you need to know to understand like what, like the, the little slice of life that's actually being portrayed here. Right. With Roman occupation mm-hmm. and everything and life. of Brian. Yeah. So no, it's, it's super helpful. Um, so what did y'all think of Life of Brian? Uh, this movie is a fucking trip in so many ways. Mm-hmm. Um, mostly good. Sometimes, like, in the what were you thinking sort of way. Mm-hmm. Um, the aforementioned blackface falling in the back category. Um, but I mean, yeah. for the most part, this is like, this is what I come to Monty Python for is like the highly mm-hmm. irreverent goofiness. Um, mm-hmm. for the most part is like quite enjoyable to just sort of like shut my brain off for a while. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Luke? I want to hear what you think first, Sam. Yeah. Um, <laughs> this comes with the caveat that again, I had like a, a historically bad approach to this movie because I went to bed too late, woke up too early and essentially had nightmares in between. Mm-hmm. Um, this this movie aged like milk and I had a miserable time with it. (laughs) Like there were some laughs, but I've, I fucking hated it. Mm. (laughs) Did not have a good time. Yeah. I think, I think if I had been a little more well rested, probably would have had a better time, but between the blackface and the rape jokes. Yeah. um, Yeah. I had forgotten about that. Yeah, and then there, there's there was something that again th- this is probably just like my piss poor mood impacting my reading of it, but something about a bunch of British Gentiles making a lot of Jew jokes rubbed yeah. me in a real wrong way. Yeah. So so yeah. again, there are aspects that I liked. Um, I did learn that one off the wrist does mean to masturbate. And so, uh, in enjoying that phrase, uh, there's a, there's a fake donkey, fake donkey early in the film that, uh, is again, as the kids say, sending me. Oh yeah. Um, and the language lesson that Luke talked about earlier, that was solid. Yeah. But for the most part, I was, uh, stone faced and mad. Nice. Um, Luke, I fall, fall squarely, I mean, I'm squarely between both of you, but it sounds like uh, mm-hmm. on a scale of liked it to didn't like it, we're all kind of closer to didn't like it, is what it, it sounds like. So I am like smack dab yeah. in the middle, where there were portions of this movie that I hated, um, mm-hmm. that you pointed out, Sam, have not aged well. And I think it's really... no. It shows you a lot of like where John Cleese and company are coming from, like with their, because a, yeah. a notable a person, a comedic individual who is notably um, completely unapologetic and has not aged into a new era of comedy at all. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, makes sense when you see the source material that this is a person who just came up in a different era where you could say some pretty heinous shit. Uh, yeah. No, I spent a lot of this movie, Luke, thinking about, like, 
Oh, now this is why John Cleese bitches and moans about cancel culture all the time. Yes. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. Exactly. Yeah. He just doesn't get it. Unfortunately, yeah, all of the stuff that hasn't aged well in this movie is still very much on brand for John Cleese. Yes. Because mm-hmm. yeah. just not good. <laughs> There's a scene where um, we have a character that's trans. And it's treated mm-hmm. as a joke, but you can also just view it as like, here's a trans character. So I'm going to take it that way. Um, but yeah, John Cleese's interactions with this person uh, are not great. And so I turned to my roomie at one point and was like, yeah, look, it's John Cleese to this day. Showing us what yeah. he thinks yeah. about trans people. So Yeah. Yeah, you really could just put that scene in 2022 and mm-hmm. have John Cleese play it the exact same. And you would yeah. go, this is, this is what I would expect. Yeah. That one was so, especially disappointing because I had remembered it in a much more positive way. Yeah. Than it actually oh, no. had like my brain distorted it into like this character says I would like you all to call me Loretta and they call him Loretta. They call this character Loretta after that and like yeah. here we go. Like this is awesome. And then rewatching it I was like, "Oh, that's actually not what this yeah. at all." <laughs> My brain had, like, very much put rose-colored glasses over this scene. Yeah. Um, <sighs> that being said, there are some pieces of this movie that are hilarious in a, like, Mel Brooks kind of way. Because Monty Python operates in the same way as Mel Brooks, where it's like, if I can shove a joke in here, I'm going to shove a joke in here. So, like, there mm-hmm. are so many good goofs, and the ending is iconic. Um, oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah, just, like, all-time... Uh, great comedic movies material so I don't know so I'm I'm really iffy on this one as far as Monty Python's work uh, goes I'd be really curious to rewatch I have rewatched a lot of Flying Circus over the years and it holds up pretty well I think uh, Holy Grail would hold up pretty well as well but I'd be very curious mm-hmm. to revisit it and find out so yeah yeah I was I was talking to my wife about that uh, this morning, and I decided I actually don't want to revisit Holy Grail specifically because I don't want to find out if it holds yeah. up. Yeah, that's uh, fair. That's fair. Yeah, because I watched that a lot when I was coming up, and so I don't want to find out that it is as as horribly problematic as this is. Mm-hmm. The good news so. is I don't think it is. Um, yeah. It's been several well, years since good. I saw it, but I'm pretty sure this is like one of their worst um, mm-hmm. in terms of like things they should not have done or like movies right. that would never be made now. Uh, yeah. It's... I think this is the worst. Yeah. Yeah. And, and again, th- there are good goofs. I'll, I'll give them oh, credit. Yeah. Um, for some reason, the, <laughs> the the line uh you're fucking nicked really got me i i don't know i have no idea why because it's not like that great a scene or anything but for some reason just that moment killed me. yeah i uh i have to say i enjoy the phrase red sea pedestrian um <laughs> that one got me um i also the the grammar lesson that Luke was talking about earlier, the yes. Romanes Eudomus. I used that clip in my class when I was teaching Latin. Um, Excellent. Excellent. It is, that, that scene is iconic, and I love it. And actually, the he he does, like, the, the grammar lesson is correct. 
<laughs> and if you've studied Latin, then you know that the locative case is not one that we talk about very much. Um, mm -hmm. So it's very exciting when you come across a locative in the wild. Uh, so it's great that that's the like, he has to put domus into the locative case in this, in this phrase. Um, I just, I love that scene. <laughs> yeah. Oh, it's, it's amazing. Uh, it also gave me German flashbacks with accusative oh God, and dative yeah. cases. I was like, oh, Christ, no. <laughs> <laughs> well, the fun thing is yeah. that I don't know who's under the centurion hood. If it's Cleese or somebody else, uh, maybe you all know. But whoever's under there was a Latin teacher. And so somebody found this out on set and was like, well, shit, dude. We are going to use that. <laughs> so... <laughs> mm -hmm. That's amazing. <laughs> yeah. So it's it's cool to hear that it was all accurate. That's pretty cool. Yeah, that's cool. Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah. That's correct. Nice. Yeah. Lots of good goofs. Lots of stuff that uh, stinks. It's got a real stank to it. Yeah. Yeah. And I, I'm curious. Did y'all also think that it was just kind of boring at long stretches? Hmm. A little, yeah. Um, I okay. it, I didn't remember it that way, but yeah. Like, I, I don't have nearly as many notes on this one of, like, things to talk about as I usually do. Cause yeah, I, I didn't just, either. Like, I, a lot of it felt not worth writing down. Yes. Yeah. And it just, it was one of the longer hour and 30 minutes of my life. Yeah. I mean, it is yeah. a Monty Python movie, and sometimes you know during a monty python movie it's a little unstructured and a little undriven because uh it's got a lack of direction that i feel like comes with this kind of flavor of movie which is basically six to eight however many guys there are just sort of flying by the seat of their pants making a comedy Wait, film yeah yeah. You mean that the scene where he ends up in an alien spaceship yeah. for a bit and gets involved in a battle implies some lack of direction? Yeah, it implies a lot of things, but definitely lack mm -hmm. of direction is one of them. Yeah, Because folks, I didn't remember that at all. I didn't either. Can I tell you? was Me completely either. blindsided by that segment. Yeah. <laughs> I I thought I was hallucinating for a minute. Because yeah. I was like, no, surely, surely not. <laughs> and I was just like, what the fuck is happening right now? Yeah, that made But no I was sense. mad about it. Yeah. Yeah, it made absolutely no sense. No. Ugh. Um, oh, the other scene that uh has always cracked me up and this time i was just like lol no um mm -hmm. is when they're having they're having a meeting of the people's front of judea and they're mm -hmm. talking you know what have the romans ever done for us and they end up with this big long list of apart from this this, mm, this yeah you know, um <laughs> and just most of it is infrastructure but i actually wrote all of them down so the sanitation Ooh, yeah. aqueducts roads irrigation, medicine, education, wine, public baths, security. These are all things that they're saying the Romans have, have like done for them. Mm -hmm. Like half of those are a half of those are a big old no. <laughs> mm -hmm. And it's like very clear if you know anything about this time period like roads, aqueducts, possibly some level of sanitation, but probably not. Mm -hmm. 
um, irrigation, sure. But, like, medicine? Fuck no. The Romans used Greek doctors and half of them were quacks. Um, mm. Education? No. Like, Jews already had their own structure of, of education that they followed. Uh, wine? Everybody in the ancient world made wine already. You didn't need the Romans mm-hmm. to bring that. Yeah. Um, except, unless you were German, actually. The Germans and the French made beer, and Romans thought they were weird. But anyways, um... <laughs> Like security? No, Romans were like horrible to the people that they occupied. Uh, right. This, yeah, that scene. Like I remember it really amusing me the first time I watched mm-hmm. it, and this time I was like, it amused me for a whole different reason. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah. No, I'm I'm glad you got all that down because I I was listening to it and I was like, huh, I wonder if that's bullshit or not. Yeah, mm-hmm. I was the wondering the same yes. thing. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well yeah. i d- do y'all have any anything else to say about this hmm. i have one little little trivia point mm-hmm. um which is that uh so when this movie came out in 1979 because of the religious satire um and just like general grossness uh a lot of for a lot of folks they like considered this blasphemy so there were several hmm. local authorities in the UK who either banned it or put an X rating on it which meant you had to be 18 to get into the theater um, mm-hmm. Ireland banned the movie entirely Norway oh, banned the movie entirely and so when Norway banned it they started advertising this movie in Sweden with the line so funny it was banned in Norway Mm-hmm. Uh, which I just find totally delightful. Um, and then I also just wanted to point out at the the end of the movie uh, when they've come to rescue Brian and everyone on their crosses starts yelling, "I'm Brian! I'm Brian! I'm Brian!" Uh, mm-hmm. If you if you don't know, that's a reference to Spartacus, which at some point we will be watching on this podcast. Nice. Yeah. Uh, so I was I was very pleased about that. It's like a built-in teaser for mm-hmm. us. <laughs> yeah. No. Yeah. Uh, Jesus. I'm nor. Why did why would Norway <laughs> band it? Band it? <laughs> I had no idea the Norwegians were so religious. I thought yeah. the Scandinavians were sort of like lukewarm Lutherans, but apparently mm-hmm. not in the seventies. Yeah, I think times have changed considerably um mm-hmm. since the norway of the 70s and i guess yeah all this kind of just points back to what we were talking about earlier about john cleese like these are folks who during this time period like you said like shit was banned like they were making waves with what they were doing and now it's kind of funny to mm-hmm. look back on it and be like you were bored sam like mm-hmm. yeah you were yeah. bored by this which is i yeah. yeah, kind of, kind of revealing of you know how these things have aged, and you know where mm-hmm. we're at culturally. So I find that really fascinating. Yeah, very oh, true. Absolutely. Yeah. Um. So, do we want to talk about uh what we're watching next week? Next time. Yes, we do. Next time. Damn it! One day, <laughs> one day, Luke, I'll get it. <laughs> sure. <laughs> Um. So so next time we are watching the Princess Bride. Mm. Um, I'm so which, excited. 
I have never seen. <gasps> Holy shit. Never. Yeah. Oh my god. Yeah. Oh, I'm I'm more excited about this now. Yeah. Yeah, it, currently my only exposure to the Princess Bride is the videos that I have seen uh from Mandy Patinktok uh <laughs> which is his handle uh on TikTok where he has talked about a couple scenes in the movie. It does not make sense to me. Uh but I'm I'm cautiously excited. Nice. This this is a top three all time favorite movie for me, I think. Okay. Um, I yeah. I love this one. I have seen the movie, but I'm very curious to see how myth ties into it, like a lot of our listeners probably are. So I, I yes. look forward to next time when we talk about the myth side of this, for sure. Yeah. Yeah, that's that's the other nice thing about next week. We've had two history episodes in a row. We're getting back into the like literature and myth side of things. Yes. Excellent. So. It's yeah. going to be so good. Uh, well, folks, until next time, uh, you can find us on Facebook at Grease Lightning Podcast. And that's uh, G-R-E-E-C-E-D. Uh, you can find us on Instagram at Greased Lightning Pod. You can find us on Twitter at Greased Light. And you can send us an email at GreasedLightningPod at gmail.com. Uh, yeah. Well, folks, we'll, we'll see you next time. Luke, Sarah, thanks for chatting about this one. Yeah, thanks, thanks y'all.